0: This up and a little taller. How's it going, everyone? Are you all excited for spring break? Excellent. You should be. Spring break's gonna be really fun. I'm definitely looking forward to speakers and the the time with with friends and the worship and there's gonna be a lot of really good things. Another thing, and this may give away my age a little bit, that I'm very excited about the smaller thing, but I'm very excited to have a whole week where I will not have to wash any dishes. You, <laughs> some people understand. Those of you who you know, have you know the meal plans here, you don't quite get just how, once you lose that, your life, the rest of your life, just becomes washing dishes. Um, dishes has been, <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, people who don't have a meal plan understand. Dishes have been a constant in my life since junior year when I lost my meal plan for the first time and I moved off to an off-campus apartment. Uh, well, you have to throw away paper plates, too, so it's all still work. <laughs> but <laughs> I just had one roommate, and it, and it just felt like there was always a bunch of dishes all the time. And I tried to wash at first. I tried to help out. A Christian, trying, trying to be a good Christian, all that. But I, I started noticing that it just seemed like I was the only one doing it. And so I was like, what is going on here? And, and uh, over time, I just got bitter and frustrated. Eventually, I was just like, forget it. Just forget it. I'm just going to take from the top of the pile, wash what I need, and get on with it. But there was, there was a ray of hope, because the next year, I was moving to Bonsalo. Now, Bonsalo, a house of strong Christian men, you know, surely every day they wash their dishes all the time. <laughs> then I arrive at Bonsalo. And There are those dishes once again and again. I try to help. You know, I try to try to help out whenever I can. I just notice it. It seems like I'm doing the brunt of the work here. And eventually, I'm just like, forget it, forget it. You know, I'm just gonna take care of myself. Start getting frustrated, bitter. Um, but that's okay. I just lived there two years. Two years. The bitterness is not too bad. And uh, but I, graduation, I was I was gonna move um, into you know an apartment with, with two of my best friends, like Shirley this time. You know, we're adults now. We're responsible. We have jobs. If we can hold down a job, we can wash some dishes. And every day I would go into the kitchen and they mocking me are the dishes. And, and suddenly I just all of a sudden realized the problem. I'm really bad at choosing roommates. <laughs> and I just need to pick different roommates. No, that is actually not the problem. The problem was in that area of my life, I was patterning my life after the wrong thing. See, in life, there are two patterns we can follow. We can follow the pattern of the world, or we can follow the pattern of Jesus. And in the area of serving my roommates by washing dishes, I was patterning my life after the ways of the world, which are opposite that of Christ. Right? The world encourages us to look out for ourselves first. It encourages us that, hey, if you do something for someone, you ought to be rewarded in return. And if you're not rewarded, or maybe when it gets to be too costly to help other people, you should just stop. You need to take care of yourself first but as Paul says in Romans 12:2, a verse that's come up quite a bit in challenge recently, this is, this is not the way to go. We're actually warned against this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. Well, see, instead of going along with the pattern of the world, we're, we're, we're instead warned against that and, and called to renew our minds, pattern our lives after something else, Jesus, right? And that's what Philippians chapter 2 is all about. We've been going through for the past couple of weeks uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians, and today we're going to continue that and go all the way through chapter 2. Uh, to remind everyone of, of chapter 1 and, and where we're coming from, as Aaron talked about last week, Paul has just finished reminding the Philippians of, of Christ and really the fact that Christ is their life, the great joy that comes in living a life that is sought after Christ, no matter the circumstances, right? Paul's in prison as he's writing this letter, but he has real. Joy for his life is centered around Jesus, and he's encouraging us to live the same kind of life. And so in chapter 2, Paul is encouraging us then, if that is the case, if your life truly is Christ, to live a life modeled after Christ. So that's what we're going to see in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read through the whole chapter tonight, starting in verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Paul starts this chapter of the letter by saying... If we you know, are experiencing this reality of Christ being our life and all that comes with it, right, being in relationship with him, the, the encouragement that that brings, the comfort from his love, participating in the Spirit, right? having the Holy Spirit live within us, if, if that is true, then we as believers need to share the same mind that Christ had, one of humility and looking to others' interests. In verse 2, and it's repeated throughout the chapter here, mind, that word is freneo, which means attitude. Right. As believers, we need to have the attitude of Christ is what this is saying. And that attitude is what verse three and verse four are talking about, right? Doing nothing from selfish ambition, humility, looking to others' interests as well as our own. And as verse five said, that's ours because of Jesus, right? It's Him who we are following. He is our pattern or should be. Now I don't know about you, but putting aside my selfish pursuits is not the easiest thing. It's not a trivial thing. Uh, Washing washing dishes, right, was hard enough, um, let alone all the other selfish pursuits that I have, these ambitions that, you know, pull at me and pull at all of us. I want my career to go a certain way. I want to have certain things go a certain way in my life. I want to be taken care of and get what I want. And, you know, I'm tempted all the time to have an attitude that says, yeah, you should do that. That is right. That is what you deserve. As Christians, the command here is, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's a big word, nothing. Right? That's all encompassing. And so I find this very hard to put into practice. And I imagine there were Philippians who thought the same, and I imagine there are some of you who think the same as well. And so following this, this very, very difficult command, this very different way of thinking, Paul draws our attention to Jesus again. You see, it's impossible to follow someone as our pattern if we don't actually know that person. And so Paul in the next verse gives the Philippians a a vivid, vivid picture of who Jesus is, starting in verse 6. Who, being Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now this, these verses are really the centerpiece of the chapter. People call this the Christ hymn. Really what it is, right, it's a poetic retelling of, of the gospel and, and who, who Jesus is. And in it we see very, very clearly what Jesus' attitude what's and is. You know, it's a way to encourage us to do the same. So in the first couple of verses, we see that Christ looked to the interests of others. Right? Before coming to earth as a human, Jesus existed. He has always existed. He enjoyed eternal, perfect fellowship with the Father in the part of the Trinity. And he was in the form of God. The, the word form here means possessing all the characteristics and qualities of. Right. so this is Theology, right? Jesus is not created. He has always existed, and he is equal to God. He is God, is what this is saying. It's the same kind of thing we read in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He has always existed. He is equal to God. And, amazingly, with that, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does that actually mean there in in verse 6? It's an interesting way to say it, right? What what that is saying is that Jesus did not use the fact that he was and is God to his advantage. Now, what does that mean? Imagine for a minute that you are God. You know, if you can, imagine that. You have all the power in the universe. There is no one above you. Um, You can do whatever you want, and you have the right for everyone to serve you and only you. And you come home, and you see dishes. What would you do? What would your attitude be about these dishes? My attitude, as evident by my story earlier, would be something like, well, I'm too busy running the universe and keeping everyone alive. Why don't you do the dishes? Someone else should do this for me. But that's not what Jesus' attitude is like. He emptied himself, it says. He took the form of servant. Jesus could have stayed where he was. Right? He didn't have to come to earth and take on flesh, being born in the likeness of men. He didn't have to die. On the cross, and we would all rightly endure God's judgment for our sin. Um, that is what we deserve, actually—it's death for our sin. But instead, Jesus came to save us, to reconcile us—you know—to serve us by dying on the cross for our sin. And even more, you know, He didn't come to Earth to live a life of luxury. He, he could have come as a wealthy ruler, a powerful military leader, but instead, He entered life in this tiny major spent His life humbly serving others, and died. A humiliating, painful death in order to save everyone. He didn't have to do that, but he did. That's what God is like. And Think about that. If God himself is a servant, surely, surely we can be servants too. right? Surely we can pattern our lives after that as our example. And if you think about it, that is very, very different from the pattern of the world. Very, very, very different. right? Any skill or talent or privilege you have, the world says, take that. Use it. Put yourself above. Serve yourself first. And then, you know, maybe maybe if you have more time, you can serve other people. You know, if it's too much, don't do it. But take care of yourself first. That's not the attitude of Christ. That's not the attitude we are given to follow. And praise God for that, right? Uh, You can see that the command that that Paul mentions in in verse 3 and verse 4 really reflected here in how Jesus... Lived, you know. Don't look to your own interests only, but also to the interests of others. That is exactly what Jesus did. Now, another interesting thing here in this passage is the word uh, "form." Right? He's in the form of God, human form, um, and then form of a servant as well. Um, now, it doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't a servant before. Right? Hebrews 13:8 says, "Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been a servant. He always will be a servant." And nor does this mean that he. Gave up being God when he became human and came to earth. What it's saying here is that he gave up his privileges as, as creator of the universe to live a humble life on earth, you know, bound for the cross to demonstrate his glory and to save us. He put our need for salvation first. Um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is my, my favorite verse. We're going to kind of jump away from Philippians real quick. Um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you by his poverty might become rich. That is what Jesus is like, and that is what he is inviting us to be like as well. Finally, we see at the very end of uh, this, this part of the chapter, verses 9 through 11, back in Philippians chapter 2, um, right, at, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? He is highly exalted. Um, he did not stay dead. He rose Again, he is our Lord. We follow him. That's what Paul is saying here. This is the gospel, right? And Paul is saying in response to that, let us have the same attitude of Christ. Let us also then be selfless and unite in love for one another. Paul is showing us that this very, very difficult command in verses 3 and 4 is not unprecedented. Jesus did it first. He showed us the way. So, In order to start living a life pattern after Jesus, in order to put into practice verses 3 and 4, right? um, do nothing from selfish ambition, we need a clear understanding of who Jesus is. We need to see that clearly in our minds, who he is and what he has done for us dying on the cross, the ultimate act of service and love. And then once we clearly understand that, then we need to put this into practice. That's what Paul starts talking about in the next verses, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only, in, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he tells them here, continue in obedience as they have been doing, keep going, and work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Not, not saying that we need to work to obtain salvation, then Jesus' death would mean nothing, right? We are saved by grace through faith alone. The idea here is also not that we are terrified as if we can lose our salvation. What, what Paul is saying here is that the Philippians need to soberly approach how they live life. In, in light of what Jesus has done, they need to continue on every day in obedience. Just as Christ was obedient to the Father, they should be obedient to God as well. Right? Pattern their life after him. See, we, what, what Paul is getting at here is we need to take Jesus' way of life seriously. Need to seriously consider this and pattern our lives after this, because this is a serious matter. The lure of the world is real. The lure of sin is real. It is intoxicating, and it wants to destroy. That, that's what it is after, and it's so easy to fall into that and lose our way. I mean, think about me. Like I was a Christian, wanting to walk with God, but with that, those dishes, you know, I fell into some deep bitterness. Not just dishes, right? Not the biggest deal in the world, but th- it's a real snare for us. The pattern of the world very easy to fall into it and be tempted by it. So Paul is warning the Philippians just as he does the Romans in Romans chapter 12. Hey, take pattern in your life after Christ seriously. But it's not just a warning or a charge to take it seriously. It's also encouragement, right? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And it's by the grace of God that they are able to keep going and keep growing in likeness of of Christ. It's it's difficult. It's a difficult command. It's very difficult to to turn from the, the pattern of the world, our sinful patterns. We need help. and Paul is reminding us that God is working in you. So keep going. Keep going. Paul wraps up his instructions and shows us the result of patterning our lives after Christ in the next few verses. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So first, as we look to you know live selflessly, we are called to do that without grumbling and complaining, which is probably a good thing that that's in there. I think that's really helpful when we look to serve others and put others above ourselves, but what is the result, right? What, what is Paul getting at here? If we as a church pattern ourselves after Christ and unify together, well, one, we'll be lights in the world, right? Because this this way of living is just so different from, from those who don't follow Christ, right? The pattern of the world is one of jockeying for position, selfish pursuit, and when things do not go your way, bitterness, begrudging, jealousy, envy, all these All these things, and Paul has some very strong words for for that here, right? crooked, twisted. He's not mincing anything here, this is sin. It is not glorious, it is is ugly. As believers, our life is Christ, and no matter the circumstance, we have hope. And if someone else gets a promotion over me at work, that's okay, my life is Christ. I can celebrate them, I can choose to celebrate them, instead of begrudging them. If you're in the middle of studying for midterms and someone needs your help, you can go help them because you know your life is more than grace. Your life is Christ. You can put their needs above your own. And that attitude, that freedom that comes with that, that, that can be really attractive to someone whose whole life is just trying to get ahead and trying to serve themselves because they're patterning themselves after the world. That's the first thing. We see that we, we can be lights to others. And, and the second thing is, is joy, true, lasting, real joy. Right? Verse 17, Paul says he... he poured out his life as a drink offering. That doesn't sound fun, right? Offering yourself, sacrifice. But Paul also says he felt incredible joy as well. As a result of patterning your life after Jesus, and he is inviting the Philippians and us to share in that, to unify around that, to have that same attitude that is ours in Christ Jesus, as verse 5 said. So to close the chapter, Paul gives two examples of, of men who've done this, who, who were doing this at the time, uh, patterning their lives after Christ, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So we're going to read about Timothy first. Um, I hope in the Lord to set, Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven work. How is a son with a father? He has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And then the next verse is talk about um, Epaphroditus. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have, uh, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, That I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And that's where the chapter ends. And you you can see in these two brief snippets of these men's lives the echoes of what Paul's been talking about throughout this whole section of the letter, and throughout the whole letter, really, right? Timothy was genuinely concerned, if we go back one slide, uh, genuinely concerned for their welfare. His interests were those of Jesus, unlike the others, right? He practiced verse 3 and 4, you know, looking to the interests of others and not just his own. He selflessly gave his life to preach the gospel. He had the attitude of Christ. And we see in Epaphroditus as well on the next slide, right? He went on behalf of the Philippians to help Paul in prison, and he almost died. He got really sick. Uh, It's kind of a a parallel almost to back in verse 8 when Christ was obedient to the point of death, right, Epaphroditus almost died in being obedient and looking to serve and and be selfless. Um, He also had the attitude of Christ. And as a result, you can see the joy, again, just all over this letter um, reflected in Paul's writing, just the joy that came in in that unity and and working together and selflessly serving each other. They were indeed lights, too, right, to the Philippians, and, and now to us all these years later, reading about them. This life of joy and unity can be ours too if we choose not to conform to the pattern of the world with with the grace of God as help, but instead are transformed by God looking every day to pattern our lives after him. That's what Philippians 2 is all about. So how can you start applying this? Well, I think this passage gives us a pretty good map for how to actually put this into practice in our lives. First, we need to understand who Jesus is as taught by scripture. We need a clear picture of Christ in order to actually pattern our lives after him. You know, it's from Christ that we see no one is above serving. The creator himself serves. You know, and We are created in his likeness. We are made to do the same. First, I would say take time to get to know Jesus as scripture teaches. You know, really get to know him. Second, we need to have good models in our life of what this actually looks like, right? Timothy and Epaphroditus, they had Paul. And then the Philippians, in turn, had Timothy and Epaphroditus. So we need to surround ourselves with people who are also patterning their lives after Christ in a couple steps ahead. Um, in a letter to the Corinthians, Paul, Paul writes this um, in 11.1 in, one in 1 Corinthians. The imitators of me as I am of Christ. Very simple, right? But have these models in your life. We need, we need to learn from them. What, what does having the attitude of Christ look like for me today as a student at USC? What does that actually look like? That's what you all have to answer. Every single day, in you know, obedience to God. So find some great role models. You know, there, there's plenty. If you don't know where to look, there's plenty here in challenge. And, and the last thing is, We need to rely on God's help every single day, every single minute, every single second to be obedient. Truly patterning your life after Christ is the work of God's grace in your life. We need his help. He he is saving us from being enslaved to the pattern of this world. We see that in verse 13, right? He is working in us um, to will and to work for his good pleasure. Abide in him for apart from him, we can do nothing. If you start putting these into practice, I think you will start to see over time your attitude line up more and more with Christ's attitude. Because I've seen that in my own life. Now we return to the story of the dishes, the conclusion of the story of the dishes. So a couple semesters after graduating, I was living in this apartment with two of my best friends. And I developed a nice little routine for myself after after getting home from work or challenge. And, and that time after work or challenge was very, very precious to me. Right? I, I talked about this last time I was up here, how difficult it is um, To work full time and and work part time for a challenge, you know, 40 hours a week at work, 15 hours or whatever at challenge. So it was a being, that that time I had at home, very precious. And so I had this nice little routine. I would get home, light a scented candle, which, men, you're sleeping on that one. Chris knows what I'm talking about. It's very nice and relaxing. (laughs) Light a candle, heat up my dinner, uh, eat it, wash my dish, keyword, my dish. And then I would just sit on the couch, you know, read, just kind of relax and go to sleep and do it all over again. It was great. Loved it. Uh, now, this is also in the height of my frustration about one of my roommates not washing his dishes. And from the chair where I was sitting, I could literally see in the kitchen the dishes, just ignoring them. You know, I'm not going to deal with you. Um, and I did that every night. Just went about my own business, putting my needs and interests first until one night. You know, I've been studying these verses in Philippians, and, and the spirit started moving in my heart this one night. You know, Hey, you ought to wash all of your roommate's dishes. I was like, God, you don't understand. Like, this is, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I don't have that much time. I'm doing all this stuff for you. Challenge. And like, I'm working. I'm doing all this. this. This is my time. This is my time. Like, how will he ever learn to wash his dishes? I... <laughs> and there's this whole, like, <laughs> you know, argument. Um, eventually, God's like, hey, just do it. You know, just obey. Fine. Fine. It took like 10 minutes. And I was grumbling the whole 10 minutes. I can guarantee that. And, but then, I start having this fantasy in my mind of, I, I'm so excited for my roommate to come home. Because he's going to come home, he's going to see the, the, the clean sink with no dishes, and his jaw is going to like. You are the greatest roommate who's ever lived, and I will wash my dishes forever now. You don't even have to worry about it anymore, don't worry. That's what I'm thinking. I'm very excited for this moment. So I'm sitting on, this, I'm sitting on the couch waiting. He comes in, and I like, kind of sit up like, oh, this is it, this is it. My moment, he walks in. Goes to the kitchen. He dumps all his dirty dishes in there. Goes to sleep without saying a word. I think, well, that's the end of that. (laughs) I knew it. Um, Second night comes. I have the scented candle going. I'm I'm washing my dish. And then spirit starts moving again. Hey, you ought to wash his dishes again. God, you do not remember what happened yesterday. He he has no intention of washing. He has no intention of helping. He didn't even thank me. He didn't even say anything. I just kept working on my heart, working on my heart. Right, this is an opportunity to help him. This is an opportunity to put my interests uh, below his and his interests above mine. It's an opportunity to have the attitude of Christ. So I wash them. Ten minutes, probably grumbling the whole way. Again, third night, same exact thing happens. Right, same exact thing happens. He goes, he's dumping all the dishes in. He doesn't say anything. Third night comes again, have this little battle with God. Wash all the dishes. He comes home, dumps them all in the sink. Doesn't say anything. And after that, I just I prayed a lot, sitting on the couch, just thinking about this, reflecting on Jesus, reflecting on what I had been reading, just how Jesus had you know displayed being, what being a servant realized, and I just realized, man, I am I am really really off on my attitude here. This is this is not this is not what what it's supposed to be. And so I wrote I wrote something in my journal, I brought it. Um, actually about a year ago. I was looking at March first. Uh, or not a year ago, um, <laughs> seven years ago, but on this day almost. Um, and this is what I wrote um, that evening after praying and just really reflecting on this and in the midst of my frustration. Um, I've been frustrated with my roommate over dishes. Over the past few days, though, God has impressed upon me that it is an act of service to help him wash his dishes. And today, God took it further and told me, hey, my goal should be to meet as many needs of my roommates as I can, regardless of the cost to me. So, I'm gonna wash the dishes and straighten up the main room <laughs> on nights when I'm not on campus too late. And later I said, you know what, I'm just gonna do it every single night. This is a great way to be able to serve my roommate and put into practice the servant's heart. That's what I wrote. And that's what I did. Every night from that day forward, when I got home, I washed the dishes. Now, it wasn't always easy. There were some days when I really, really, really struggled to have the right attitude, right? Why didn't you rinse this bowl as I'm scrubbing? Like, you really could have helped me out there. And I was like, no, Jesus never complained. He served gladly. You know, he died on the cross. Much bigger than scrubbing this stupid little bowl. And, and so like day over day, it just, I just kept doing it. And it was not easy. It was very difficult. There were many days when I uh, fell into the pattern of the world. But over time, I think something happened. I really started to enjoy washing the dishes, kind of looking forward to it. Because it felt really good to help my friend, not my rival who was always inconveniencing me, inconveniencing me uh, by not washing his dishes, You know, not this person who I was just so frustrated about. No, like, this is my friend. And it feels really good just to, to help him out. I experienced joy, real joy. It's kind of weird talking about it, but that's really what happened. Because I finally realized the truth. This is what I'm designed to do. Christians, we are designed to serve. We are in Christ. Christ is a servant. and We are designed to be a servant too. We pattern our lives after him. Now look, this is a small thing. I'm not a hero by washing dishes, right? <laughs> this is a very small thing compared to like what Paul is talking about here and what, obviously what Jesus has done for us. But even in the small act of obedience, like the, the joy that Paul expresses all throughout Philippians, I, I experience that. That is real. When Christ is at the center of your life when you're following Him, patterning your life after Him. There is real joy because we're living as we were always meant to live, with Christ at the center. To live is Christ, right? Likewise, the frustration, the bitterness, the envy—all of that—that that comes with following the world—is also real, very real. The world cannot satisfy us. We're not designed for that. We were designed for Christ and Christ alone. The man reaps what he sows. Right? The pattern you choose to follow, will bear fruit one way or another. So I encourage you tonight, if you're encouraged by Christ, comforted by his love, have participation in the spirit, take this seriously. Look to pattern your life after Jesus. And I think you'll also find joy and it will all come together in unity. Let's pray. God, thank you um, for uh, giving me a roommate who didn't wash his dishes and, and using that to, to teach me more about what you're like. I pray, Father, that you would, you would continually be teaching us more and more, more and more what Jesus is like. Thank you so much that he died for us, that he is a servant, that you are a servant, God, and that um, by your grace, you are helping us day by day, walk in obedience to what you want. I pray, God, that we would um, take this seriously, that we would um, get to know Jesus better, that you would put great role models in our lives, and God, that you would continue just to help us because we need your help every single day. Thank you so much. We love you. We praise you in your name.